Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, every one of Paul's letters, someplace within the first 11 verses, um, proclaims that blessing, invokes a blessing upon the readers of who he was sending the letter to. And I think today we read it as a salutation, like, hi, how are you? But actually, as he was writing it, he, was, he knew what he was sending was from the Holy Spirit and that it was really important. And so he doesn't, what we now call it an invocation, but he invokes a blessing upon the people who are going to read it. And it's so interesting that it's, you know, it's grace and peace to you. And uh, those were two commodities that were extremely high within Paul's economy and within Paul's understanding of what he knew the gospel to be. I talked a little bit last week about him uh, going to, to Damascus for three years and then going and meeting with the elders of the church in Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was in turmoil at that point in time. And then he leaves again, and uh, some say 17. All, you know, I don't know if he was adding another 14, but he spends another 14 years before he actually goes on any journey to start preaching. It's stunning how many of us would, uh, you know, some of us have uh, gone on to higher education and stuff. Can you imagine studying for 14 years before you're ever released to work? You know, you think through those things, you go, oh my gosh. You know, what did he study? Because he didn't have like a library or a Bible. He was engaged with the revelation of Jesus coming to him for our sake. He did that all. You know, you go, I mean, Jesus laid his life down. That, that's, the, that's the top of the banana, you know. It doesn't get any better than that. But imagine Paul laboring, knowing by revelation that he was laboring for us that live now. Isn't that incredible? You have to do is connect and think through that. One time when Brenda and I were... In Northern Ireland, we went down by the, the seacoast and there, were, there was this little chapel, St. John's, and it had been there since the 10th century. And of course, it's a ruin at this point in time. There's no roof on it or anything. It was just a, a lot of stones still left standing and everything. There, there was a little, uh, a little water well, a wee well and everything that was there, and they, they proclaimed that there was healing that came from that, so we were, lab, you know, <laughs> throwing it all over ourselves. But as we stood there, and I, I was singing hallelujah, this is what triggered all this this morning, and I was thinking about all the saints that had gone before that had actually built that place and then stood in that place, and that they were reaching up to heaven with their hallelujah, and I was reaching up to heaven with my hallelujah and that there's a connection between us and that, that commonality of past. And I'm so grateful that we have the Bible today. 
because we would get it if we had to by revelation, but what, what happened, and you th- think of the men that laid down their lives, you think of Tinsdale, who died so that you could have the, your Bible in English. You know, it's just, it's stunning what these men and women did. And, the, and if you start looking at the men and women that are, we still have their writings and they're published, many of them were contemporaries. And uh, they didn't even know each other. But this sweeping thing of God going back and forth throughout time and over the earth. And why do you say all that? To comfort our hearts and give us hope. Because there was turmoil back then. Bad. Like maybe worse than now. It's just we think it's worse because either Fox News or NBC News or somebody tells us it's worse. Um, But the... The goodness of God and the hope of God is that it penetrates into our life today. And we can, we can reach back and touch the past, but it's so that we can live in the presence and look forward to the future with understanding and with hope. So this is kind of an introduction into these messages that we've been doing is what is our faith response to the stuff going on around us? Because I don't like about 80% of the news. I don't know where you're at. And may, you know, and I, I spend way too much attention on it. And then Brenda spends way too much attention on it because I read the headlines and, and then she rereads them to me after she gets up and goes, can you believe that idiot did? I said, yes, I know, Brenda, I read it. So, and so that, was, that leads into our times together. But it's, it's that we have great hope during times of transition, of troubles, dismay, dislike. And what's really important, so many, so many Christians in my generation would say, oh, I don't want theology, just give me experience with God. Wrong. That's it. You need to get the big buzzer from heaven going, Eight! you know, you just, you just touched the wrong thing. Um, our theology which is what we, hold to be, what we hold to be true about God. That's what theology is. These are, these are, this is my theology. This is our theology. And the reason it is is because you can't know what to be true about yourself until you know what you believe about God. Because the most important thing that will ever be said about you is what God says. Not what you say. Think about the identity stuff that's going on right about now. And, and we miss the whole point of this. Everybody gets their identity from a voice outside of themselves. The world tells you to look within. Think of Jesus when he comes out of the wilderness. So I'm trying to present a hope story. He comes out of the wilderness. He goes to the River Jordan. There's his cousin baptizing people for the remission of sins, which was against the law. Not the Roman law, the Hebrew law. That was not how you got forgiven of sins. He's bringing in a new doctrine. He's bringing in something that never had been done before. That was not the pattern. It was not the way you did it. It was not the culture. And it was not the law. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be done. Jesus submits to that, knowing it's God. He comes up out of the water, and a voice from heaven. 
Not an internal voice. A voice from heaven says what? This is my... He identifies him. Jesus got his identity from the Father. He knew where he came from. And the Father confirms his identity. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done anything but worked on wood. But I mean, there's no minute, you can't say, well, the, the hundreds that followed him or the thousands that he preached to or remember how he fed those people. Remember, he raised that little girl from death. He raised Lazarus. Now, this is before all that. I'm well pleased with him because of who he was. God's pleased with us today, right now, because of who he is. And that's why our theology around that is so deeply important because it's where we get our identity so with that when that's correct when that's secure in your heart then you have a sense of well-being of purpose of peace of mind but especially something else you have hope what you believe about God, if what you're believing about God doesn't put hope in your heart, you're not believing the right stuff about God. That's how you know if you're off. Is my theology off? Do you have hope? Is it, is it a commodity? Because the purpose of the new covenant promises in God is to give us hope, and not only hope, but the writer of Hebrews says, a better hope. It's it's something better than anybody else can hope for because hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope is an assurance in the heart that goes, yep, I know, Paul said it this way, I know who I believe in and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I committed to him against that day. He was talking about the return of the Lord. What was he committing? What was that? Himself. I believe God has me. And that puts such a hope uh, in our heart. I, uh, this, this past couple of weeks, I had to sell a boat motor, so I got back on Facebook, reopened my Facebook account. I'll only go there a little bit, because I, I could do a torrential rant about Facebook and what I read on there from believers not unbelievers, from believers. And I'm going to get ready to shut it back down again. The boat motor sold, praise God. But I'm reading this stuff that believers are putting there about their insecurity and that they're getting ready to go on a trip and stuff and they, they hope they got everything okay with the Lord and I just want to mic drop at that point in time. Of the insecurity that's in the heart of a believer. We should never have insecurity in our hearts, ever. If you have insecurity about your relationship with God, you're not knowing the God that Paul preached. It's literally that. If you have to constantly check, am I okay today? If you're doing that, you need to sit under this teaching for about five more years and let it become, and then after you do that, do it some more. Because when the human heart becomes secure, you have hope in your life, and the hope is knit with faith and love, 
And um, C.S. Lewis called it this. He called those three things together that, because uh, he, he starts talking about the cardinal virtues in life. And he lays out four cardinal virtues, virtues being those things which are the things that God has shown us that stand on the earth that we can get our arms around. And he says there's three theological ones, faith, hope, and love, as they're taught by Paul. Hope is a theological virtue. Virtue meaning that thing which um, gets involved in who I am. It's a virtue. I carry it with me. Are you a virtuous person? Do you have good quality in there? Is it good? Is your character good? And hope is designed to be, you know, we tend to overlook it. Faith, yes. I want to have faith. Love, yeah. I know I ought to. And I wish I did that better. But then you get to hope, and hope's a funny thing because you bite into hope and it can be kind of bitter because of the past. Because not everything turned out the way you want it. So you're placing your hope in things not turning out instead of placing the hope in who God is. When I place my hope in who God is, I lean into the better promises. I lean into these things are greater than the things I'm facing in my life. And there, that is then designed by God, my hope, we, we sang about it, is actually rooted in the future and based on better promises. I can't hope for something to change in the past. It won't. I prayed for years to get healed from the past, did you? I, I did. That's not a put down. I still do. I still have stuff come up, you know? I still have... You know, you go, dude, you're 70 years old. Get on with it. You know, you ain't got much longer here. Let that one go, will you? And I tell myself that, but, you know, it's, it's like reading a... So one of my favorite authors as I was going through school, who I didn't ever think would be, but he became one of my, was Marcel Proust. And Proust wrote seven series of novellas or novels. Uh, together, they're called Remembrance of Things Past, and they, you know, Proust was an incredible writer. As a matter of fact, I think one of, one of his sentences uh, covered 26 pages of the book without having a grammatical error. It was one sentence. So that sounds boring. No, the story was incredible. And it starts out, this guy starts remembering things through his life by having a cup of tea set in front of him and he goes to drink the tea and looks in the teacup and the story starts in his life and he starts remembering. That's what happens to us. We start remembering, am I healed from the past? Oh, yes, but I still remember things. And being healed doesn't mean it went away. We think even that being healed means it won't ever affect me again. Yeah, it will. God doesn't undo this. He can't undo our memory. What he can do is put a hope in us and an understanding that that was resolved at the cross. And it's now put under the blood and that I can look forward to something much different. So if you're like me, and you had a difficult childhood. Some of you had wonderful childhoods. I, I love hearing those stories. Sometimes I can remember good things, and sometimes I can't. And 
I know this, I'm healed and going to heaven because I have a hope of what God did in my heart. Hope is a theological virtue that is rooted in the future and based on the better promises of God. You have to hear that again and again and again. And you find it right here. Look at these scriptures. I want to read them to you. Hebrews 7, For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of, look at this, of a better hope through which we draw near to God. See, we try to draw near to God so, so that we get a blessing. But that's not really the purpose in drawing near to God. The drawing near to God is so that your heart gets secure in a better hope. What is the better hope? The new covenant. Because it's based on better promises. I like good promises. I love good promises. I like the fact that my wife promised to me that she'd stay with me through it all. And you know what? She did. And continues to do so. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, she has got to put up with me. And she's done it in just a few days for 48 years. Now, it's just like, whew. you know, I told her yesterday, you know, I said, you know what? If you go before me, because we're at that age. If you go before me, I wasn't wishing for anything. If you go before me, I ain't going to get remarried. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go through all this and relearn somebody and, and have my freedoms taken away. She knows where I need my freedom. She lets me be alone. Matter of fact, when I get grumpy, she goes, go fishing. Get out, yeah. Go be alone. And she knows how to do that with me. And here's the other thing. She also knows the hope that I believe in. And you can't trade that for anything. Hope is what God gives to us as a theological gift when all the circumstances are not going good around us. Think about this. You don't dwell on hope when everything's okay. You start dwelling on hope um, when you want it to be different. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a dental appointment or whatever, you know, okay, I hope this doesn't hurt. That, well, that's kind of wishful thinking. But, you know, you know it's going to hurt, kid. Um, always did. Hope is there, and it's poured out, and it's always knit with love and faith. Always. Listen to, listen to Romans 5. Romans 5, the first five verses, is one of the most important sections in Romans. Now, how do you decide which is more important? By its emphasis and its point. You, get the, you, you find the theme. So here's the theme. So Paul has been painting this picture in Romans 1 and 2 about how jacked up we are. As human beings, not just personally, not, not just what you did or didn't do, not just what happened to you or didn't happen to you, but humankind, uh, regardless of how you define gender or anything like that, all the stuff, all the is that's out there right now, Romans 1 and 2 tells you we're bad. We, we left God 
And we exchanged the creator for creation and started serving creation instead of the creator. It gets really bad in Romans 2 because he tells you how God feels about that. And it ain't pretty. It did not make God happy. But then he starts into Romans 3 and there's a hinge verse in verse 21 which starts out with, but now, because he's, he's building up to the place that Jesus cross-sections humankind, earth, and time. And intersection. he says, but now, we're seeing it differently because of Christ. Then in four, he connects it back to the story of Abraham and the blessing that God wanted humankind to actually live in. And after the fall, he let them do it. He gave Abraham a blessing because Abraham said, okay, I'll leave down here and go up north for you. He went, you will? Blessings on that man. So that step of faith... Then you go Romans 4, and then he tells that whole story about the grace that was given to Abraham can be our portion now, and then you get to Romans 5. Now I'm giving you short summaries. Listen to Romans 5 again, because it's talking about what we go through on the earth. Therefore, having been justified by faith, he talks about the faith of Abraham and our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other justification in your life but faith. But now we see God separate and ourselves separate from the law. I'm justified. I have, and if I'm justified, if I'm made right, that's what justified means, I've been made right, then I have what with God? Peace. Do not get caught by the Christian trap that says you got to wrestle with God. It's a wonderful old image from the Old Testament of Jacob wrestling with the angel. If you're wrestling with God, you have a wrong approach. Give up, he already won. Quit trying to wrestle. You're not wrestling with God. You're wrestling with your doubts, your fears, your insecurities, it's up here in your mind. You're not wrestling with God. It's settled. Verse 1 settles it. I'm justified by believing in him. Through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and look at this, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, so then he goes, you have this for the future, the glory of God in your life. He says, not only that, but then he starts saying, this is how it affects the current set of circumstances. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint if you have disappointment in your hope, you're hoping in the wrong thing. Because hope doesn't, in God does ne never ever disappoints because it's on better promises. Because why? You ask. Because, look at the because, 
the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Every time a believer goes through turmoil, when they turn their hope to Christ, he pours out the love of God into your heart through the Holy Spirit. We have an antidote here, not just in the future. Hope is designed to bring in, oh my God. So every time God sees you, I don't care what it is. Every time you're going through something personal, it doesn't even have to be what you like or don't like about politics in America today. When you're going through something, God's response through Christ to you is to pour out his love. Now, you don't get a better blankie than that. We get that blanket and we can... So our cat has taken up doing something really strange. We have these two new chairs in the kitchen. And Brenda keeps those nice, uh, what are they called, throws? These nice throws on it. And we, we have this one cat who's a Siamese. They're weird anyway. You know, she... My, my grandchildren call her Bad Kitty, so you get the, you get the ba- picture. This cat gets up in this chair now just about every day, but she wiggles her way in until she's completely covered by the throw. And you can see the chair and you can see this lump. <laughs> and she is so content she doesn't even purr. She feels safe and secure, and I thought, oh, there's the love of God poured out on me, a blanket that comes over me in times of turmoil. And that cat is hoping for one other thing besides that, and that's the food dish. And she gets both of them quite regularly. And a matter of fact, she takes the other cats. So she's an equal opportunity cat. The writer of Hebrews, in speaking about hope, says this. This hope, the kind that I just described to you, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This better hope isn't based on even the Christianese that we use in prayer. Uh, There's more for us than those against us. And I understand, maybe you prayed those prayers. I prayed them too. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying we have something better than that. I don't have to hope into a circumstance changing. I hope and put my trust in God and he pours it out in love. And I get under the throw of his love and I just get comfortable. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is receive it. Get snuggled. Yeah. Just get really comfy. And then if I get comfortable enough, I start purring. When I purr, other people notice it. They go, oh, that purr. How come you're so at peace? I'm at peace because God has thrown his love over me. And I don't have to worry about the future. I'm at peace with God. When circumstances, by the way, he he says in in Hebrews 10, uh, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. This is why I'm emphasizing it to you today. 
If you're going to lay hold of something and hold fast to it, hold fast to the confession of what your hope is in without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It's not without wavering because of you. It's without wavering. Why? Because of his faithfulness. That even when I struggle with getting the blanket pulled up around me, he's faithful. And he's always there. Always to take care of us. Hope is how believers that follow the new covenant... Hope is how they are supposed to respond and navigate difficult times with. Right now, everything says, well, we have to show, we have to bring God's justice on the earth. God will bring God's justice on the earth, not the church. We cannot make it right enough. I cannot do enough repenting to change the way America was founded. I cannot do enough repenting to get rid of the atrocities that occurred before me. I cannot do that. But I can do this. I can walk in faith and hope and treat people the way Christ treats them. There, if I am operating out of the justice that I have been giving... To be justified by faith, I can look at somebody and go, oh, you just need to get justified. You know, it's going back to, you watch the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You know, this is bona fide. No, no, no play on the name for the bona fides. You know, this is God placing within you something that, that has been phenomenally changing. What if you walk through the store tomorrow like you're glorified? What would it look like? What if you got up tomorrow and looked at somebody else and you looked them through the eyes of you being glorified? Because the hope that we have isn't just that he saved us says this, he who's justified has been sanctified. He who's been sanctified has been glorified. I don't feel very glorious most of the time. Until Brenda looks at me and then I says, I'm earning points here, come on. Listen, these all go up to a good meal. I know what I'm doing. No, I'm kidding. Although I do get When difficult times happen, this is where the humanness, what Paul would have referred to as the flesh, this is when our flesh has a tendency to kick in. When things, when things exasperate you and you go, those idiots, and you're upset with things that are happening and all that, there's a human response when it moves into the more personal areas of like your own life and we have a tendency within our flesh to go to a place of cause and effect. Why? Cause and effect was a principle that God put into the earth when he, at the end of the flood and the promise that he gave Noah, Noah that he wouldn't destroy the earth again. And so he puts into place this thing called cause and effect. And that has held sway 
until Christ. So he says, seed time and harvest. And he talks about the seasons, you know. This happens and this is the result, you know. It's everything from the law of gravity. To that. But you see, Christ is greater than that. I don't have to live in the law of cause and effect anymore. Now, be sure if I do sinful things, nothing will happen to me. Oh, wrong. There will be an effect. Because that now you've played around the outer limits of the law of sin and death. Whenever you play with the law of sin and dip your toes into it, death occurs someplace. It's the result of sin. But you don't have to anymore. We have been set free. It says in Romans 6, you're not under the bondage of that cause and effect, the law of sin and death anymore. You've been set free by a different one. He called, Paul called it this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ now. And it set you free from the law of sin and death. So it sets you free when things aren't going right. And I can look at the covenant of better promises and I can remember what God has done. When things don't go right for us, we tend to look at what we did or didn't do. Why? It's human nature. We want to figure, what did I do to deserve this? Just a common American saying, right? Wrong. It's fleshly sayings. It's fleshly thinking. And when I change that, I'm not playing a word game because of this. What we're really talking about when it comes to that measurement is do I believe I'm forgiven for sin? For what I did wrong? Huh, I must not be doing something right. Do you have those thoughts? Believers, I do. Good believers that love Jesus will have the thought, well, man, all this is going wrong right now. I must not be doing it right. We think that's a good place to go. Again, you need the big buzzer from heaven going, You go back and read the hope of better promises that God has put into your life. Stand on those, it says. Stand on that kind of hope. I want to, I want to do one more verse, and that's that Acts thir uh, 13, because this was the better hope that was given right at the beginning of the church to minister to people who were under a condemning cause-effect thing in their life. So it says this in Acts 13, Therefore, they're, pre they're preaching to people who haven't turned yet. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus, the good news is I have forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is what? Justified. I have this hope that I've been justified. From all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. 
you can't use, because the whole law of Moses is based on cause and effect. If you do this, then this will happen. <laughs> you can be free of that. You can live in a different thing. I don't have to live by cause and effect anymore. My sins are forgiven. How important is that? It's the game changer. In Acts 26, it says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is why John wrote in 1 John, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Not for your name's sake, for his name's sake. You're forgiven. Have you seen the Geico commercial with the little salamander? That's, that's talking to the bikers. Do you know which one I'm talking about? He just keeps saying to the guy, you deserve, you know, I can't remember what it is now, but you deserve a break. You know, you deserve to save. You know, and he just says it three or four times, the guy breaks. This has greater power than that because it's not some salamander. It's the king of the universe. It's God himself who goes, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. To each one of us, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You want hope to birth in your heart again? Look in the mirror and go, you're forgiven. You're, you're forgiven. It's a hinge thing that's in the earth that tries to get us to go back under the law of cause and effect. And God has given this hope to my heart. Lloyd, you're forgiven. Lloyd, you're forgiven. Well, does that mean you don't have any regret for anything you did? Two different carts. We can talk about that other cart later, how to get free of that one. But this one, I'm, I'm forgiven. How many times? For all time. Romans 6, Jesus died once for all. I'm forgiven? You almost have to look at me and go, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm doing nostalgia right now because 50 years ago I was in Turkey and I was sinning my brains out. Literally. Sinning. Sinning, 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 sinning. There was no other way that could anesthetize the pain in my life. So I sinned a whole lot. And remembering that, and I'm going, it's hard to remember them now because I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And I'm not just forgiven for yesterday. I'm forgiven today. I'm going to be forgiven tomorrow. I'm okay. I'm secure. I have hope in my heart. If he forgave me once, guess what he'll do? Forgive me again. Oh, that's a license. Go do whatever you want. Well, you're not understanding the indwelling Christ then because he put the opposite desire into my heart. I don't have a desire for sin anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm actually pretty shocked when I, when I stumble or fall. They go stupid, but I go stupid and then run immediately to Christ and go, I'm forgiven. 
and then own the mistake that I did right away. Go to whoever I need to go and go, oh, that was stupid. I should have never said that. But, and I believe this is true of you. And if it's not, I know where you can get help. I don't wake up in the morning and go, huh, I think I'll go down to 39th Street and see if I can, uh, like, hit up some, maybe just, just, a, just a little bit of cocaine help get me through this day. I don't think that way anymore. I don't think, huh, how can I cheat on my taxes this year to get a couple more grand? I don't think that way. I've been converted. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Forgiven people like living in forgiveness. We're clean. I don't like getting dirty anymore. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It's not who I am. Blessed hope. Blessed hope. Did I, do I wish I did it perfectly? No, I really don't, because I know he did. And he did perfect for me and gave it to me as a gift. Incredible, isn't it? Hope in the human heart. I want to pray for that this day. Look at all the things that everything's going through right now. Let hope arise in your heart. Speak to it. Draw it forth. Call it out. Name it. Declare it over you. Look in the mirror. Such great hope in your life this day, Lloyd. I'm in Christ today. So are you. Lord, I pray that this hope that we have as an anchor to our souls would just rise up, start percolating out of the ground of disappointment, out of the ground of despair, out of the ground of the what ifs, out of the ground of fear, that hope would rise up in each of our hearts, that we walk in this newness of life. And I'm different. I'm a different person because of what you did, Jesus. I'm not rehashing old things. I lean into the new. I lean into this perfection that you've perfected me for all time. It's how you see me. It's who I am. This day, this week, this month, this year, this season, this life. It's who I am. And I thank you for it, Jesus. Because it's who you are. All these things I pray for us in the great name of Jesus Christ. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love on each other as you go.